Meet you all in Jesus' name as well. So I have a few questions for you, Ryan. Is that your first time having devotions? Here. Here? Not your... A little scared? A little nervous? So when you were studying, did you consider that the Holy Spirit was helping you? Well, He was. You did an introduction for the Sunday school and also the message this morning using some of my verses. I was struggling a little bit with uh, this message um, when I agreed to preach at MBS. I had a message started and I changed, went with another message uh, directed more for youth. And I wasn't sure about using it again. It'll be, feel like it's warmed up. Then I was supposed to speak two weeks ago, and we ended up going to Pennsylvania for an ordination, and Delvin took that for me, not realizing that, again, this message goes hand-in-hand with our Sunday school lesson, and I guess I'm not going to apologize for the work of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, you will be getting a youth message, but I think it's... For all of us, it was good for me to study. And as I as I think about these things, as they happen, and you, the word has been preached for two thousand years, over and over and over and over again, and it never softens. It never <clears throat> it's alive. It never gets cold. And. That's exactly what I thought of this morning as I realized how God pieced everything together for this morning. It's a little bit like, the word is a little bit like spending time with a good friend. If you separate after a time together, you go away inspired with something you want to go back to. And that's how the word is, can be to us. So you can turn to Matthew 23 a while. I have a few questions this morning. And this comes from a quote that I read or heard, I'm not sure which, and we'll get to that later. The questions are, what is Christianity? And has someone you looked up to spiritually disappointed you? And what was your reaction? And does this devalue Christianity? And is Christianity radical? We'll say most often we look at the church as a definition for Christianity. And is this wrong? In all reality, our churches should be a clear message of Christianity and being lived out in the most beautiful form. But is it reality? When someone looked up the spiritual leader, a Christian example, and then are left down, 
You find out they're living in unrepentant sin or living a lie. What goes through your mind? Is Christianity really worth it? Is this life really worth it? Is this what church is all about? Do I want to be part of it? And Jesus had some strong words to say about these people. Living in hypocrisy as Ryland opened up this morning as we heard throughout the Sunday school lesson and the discussion. We're going to spend a few minutes on this. It's not my focus this morning. We don't want to... We cannot change if we continually feed on, on negative, but we want to spend a little bit of time in these verses. Hypocrisy is a practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. A person who puts on false appearance or virtue or religion. And the New Testament had a little different twist on it. It's an actor, someone who's acting like some, something that in reality it, he isn't. And Matthew 23 was, in my Bible, was labeled seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And I'm just going to be jumping down through, just making brief comments as we go. I'm going to be reading one through four to begin with. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not remove, will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, they made all these different laws that they required the Jews to keep, but they themselves did not keep them. They had lifted themselves up in self-righteousness to the point that they felt they were better than those that were under them and they didn't need to keep them. But Jesus told the people, and we heard this comment in Sunday school, that you know these things are telling you they're not really wrong. Do them, but don't do as they do. Down to verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that enter that are entering to go in. Again, he points out their hypocrisy. You're so concerned about yourselves and your earthly kingdom that you have established around you that you yourselves will not enter this uh, Jesus kingdom and you're not going to help others to find that kingdom as well. They were more focused on their kingdom. And drop down to 25. 25 through 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Now blind Pharisees cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within... You are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He was addressing those that were part of the religious group that appeared on the outside like they had it all together. 
They looked like they were one of the religious leaders. You know, they they did all the right things. They went to all the required church services. But inside, they were living in sin. They were living a lie, and Jesus could see right through and and could reveal that sin to them. Then verse 33, he called them serpents and vipers. They were doing more damage to his kingdom than they were doing good. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? You can turn to Matthew 6. First part of the chapter, when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he addressed the hypocrisy of those that were trying to be recognized for their religious actions of alms, prayer, and fasting. And again, they were not doing wrong things, but they were doing right things with the wrong motive. Matthew six twenty-two and 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? How much thought have you given to the forces of light and darkness? What about dark light? Verse 23. Therefore that light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? When God divided the light from the darkness on the first day of creation, light became the dominating force because God the creator is light, leaving darkness to prevail only in the absence of light. Could it be more clear that Satan's kingdom is darkness and God's kingdom is light? So then the question is asked, how can we be so badly mistaken with where people are in their lives when the two kingdoms are so far apart? But we also know that Satan comes as an angel of light. We're not God, so we can't see into the hearts of people. And when we see what looks like light coming from these people, we can only go by our observation. And when we learn that someone we respected was living with hidden sin in his life, that light immediately becomes dark light. Nothing changed with with the person. But we know that what we thought was God's light shining out of them was nothing more than an act or hypocrisy. To us it is now dark light, as in verse 23. And this past week, it's just an illustration happened on the job. Carpenter hung a big LED light in the rooms we were working and we were working around there and I went upstairs and I seen it wasn't plugged in. I said, that's dark light. 
The light was there. Everything about that light was what we expected from it, except there was no light coming out of that, that fixture until it was plugged in to the source that made it illuminate and bring forth light, true light. <clears throat> so when this happens, does this devalue Christianity? My message this morning is not on hypocrisy. It is not about looking at those that disappointed me and blame them for the way I reacted. My message this morning is to answer my first question. What is Christianity? And the quote that brought this message is, Christianity is Jesus, not people who live it poorly. We are all hypocrites. That is why we need Jesus. Bad living does not define Christianity. Jesus does. Christianity is not Christianity is Jesus, not people who live it poorly. We are hypocrites. That is why we need Jesus. Bad living does not define Christianity. Jesus does. <clears throat> These things we looked at are not Christianity. Sadly, Christianity is not always contained in everyone in a church body. It can be, should be. And when it is, it's a beautiful thing. You should always be able to look at those in a church and see Jesus if they are pro professing Christianity. Christianity is when a Christian lives out the life and teachings of Jesus. It is not defined by those who are part of a Christian church and are living in sin. <clears throat> it, it is always defined by those who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. This kingdom will never be compromised by sin. It is those who have given up themselves and said, Lord, here I am. Wash me, cleanse me, change me into your image. Give me a single eye that I focus only on the Lord. And that verse that I read in Matthew 6 on the single eye is a, a single focus. It's singular. The focus is on one thing, and that focus is on Christ. It's not going away from Him like the evil eye that is looking everywhere else, but it's a single, a single focus on Christ. And that is how we we base our life on what we see in Him. A few verses to go with this. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that verse beautiful? It's like plugging that job site light into a source of power and it puts out light. That's what happens when we focus on Jesus we can shine out His light. In 1 John 1, 5-7, This then is the message we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, we walk, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. few things I found as I was studying this is many people think they're, that going to church occasionally or simply believing in God makes them a Christian. But the Bible presents a different perspective and definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone whose behavior and heart reflects Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch from Acts 11.26. And there is a great difference between churchianity and Christianity. Many are going to church, but few are going down the road which leads to life. Many name the name of Christ and claim to be Christians, but few understand what a Christian really is. Many are religious, but few are right with God. May God help us to understand the difference between religion and true Christianity as set forth in the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Turn to Ephesians 4 for the remainder of the message. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, I'm going to be reading from 17 to 28. I'm going to read verse 1 first. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If you have accepted Christ, you are called to this walk that we will be talking about. And then the rest of the beginning of the chapter here, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church about unity in the body of Christ. And then in verse 17, he zeroes in on the importance of us individually experiencing a new life. <clears throat> beginning of 17, reading to 28. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if ye, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye, be, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 17, he starts in with a, a direct command for the Ephesian people here. He said, Since you have been called by Christ, you can no longer walk and live as the other Gentiles live. The ones that have not accepted this calling. Because of the vanity of their minds, they are separating themselves from God rather than drawing closer. And sometimes we maybe find it hard to think that we were either walking towards God 
or a way. It is either darkness or light. And the dark light that I talked about earlier is truly darkness. You cannot live in secret sin and have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. It's not possible. 18 and 19 talks about these the ones that have not accepted the calling they had their understanding darkened they were alienated they were separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them and the blindness of their hearts and then in verse 19 it says who being past feeling given themselves over to these wicked works and that that phrase past feeling would have the uh, the thought of callous. They became callous and given themselves over to these things. Because of the state of their mind, because they had an evil eye and not that single eye that we talked about, these things happen by default is the direction they went. And the more they do these things, the more callous to sin they become. And sin almost always will work in this way. There's a progression that happens. It will almost always start with something small. And then as we become comfortable, it takes us another step and then another step. And the end result of sin is almost always worse than the first step towards sin that a person takes. As I prepared this message a few weeks ago, I make a occasional trip to the kitchen and grab snacks. And we have this large Tupperware container sitting on the counter with pretzels in it. And I'd open the lid and sort through and pick out the what I thought looked like the best ones, eat them. It might not sound very unusual. These were not just ordinary pretzels. In our house, we call them Phoebe's pretzels. Now most of you know what I'm talking about. The small pretzels with the really good seasoning on them, you put them in the oven and bake them. But this batch was in the oven a little bit too long. And there was a lot of disappointed people in our house and... Everybody said that there's no way we're going to eat these. They're burnt. They sat around for a while, and the lighter ones were put in lunches and were eaten. And that Saturday, as I was sorting through there, looking for the lightest colored ones, it suddenly hit me that these pretzels might actually get eaten. And it's through the simple fact that as we ate the lighter ones, Each time we went back and opened that lid, we went for the lighter colored pretzels. We were actually eating the burnt ones that we didn't think we would ever eat. Isn't that how sin works? We never eat the badly burnt ones first. We see sin and it repulses us at first. Then we may allow ourselves to sample little sin in the smallest form As we continue down that path, we become calloused. And soon we are doing what repulsed us in the beginning. It almost always works this way. 
The important part is what we do when we realize that we slipped into sin. Do we turn to Jesus or live in hypocrisy? Fortunately, I don't think burnt pretzels will lead to a calloused heart. <clears throat> 20 and 21, I think, is one of our key verses this morning. <clears throat> but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. This is what you have learned about Christ. You have been taught by him. Now, even though Paul is the one teaching, he's not taking the credit for what he's saying. He's pointing them back to the source, to the teachings of Jesus that he taught when he was here on earth. In another place, he told them to, to follow him as he is in Christ. It wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. And he had already given us the ultimate example. And Jesus is the heart of Christianity. And it is okay for us to follow the example of others if they are in Christ. But if they disappoint us, go back to our question this morning. What is Christianity? It is Jesus We don't throw him away because someone else was living a life of hypocrisy. Another illustration is marriage. We don't say it's a bad thing because we see broken marriages around us. No, we know it's a beautiful thing when it is lived out in the way God designed it. Twenty-two through twenty-four. I just love the teachings of Paul. He is so simplistic and easy to understand. We have the old man and the new man. <clears throat> the old man is who we were before we accepted Christ as our Savior, and He cleaned us up. Putting off the former conversation would have the thought of conduct, our conduct, and the deceitful lust would be any ambition or pleasure that takes control of our desires. could also be called an idol. You know, as this, as this old man, this is just part of who we were, these things. We were self-focused. And as we got older, we start to realize this, and maybe we begin to dress up that old man, put new, new clothes over top of the old soiled clothes, Try to polish over those worn, tattered shoes. But it's futile. Hard, it, the old man just begin, keeps soaking through these new garments, these new clothes that we try to put over top. In verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When I read this verse, it always takes me back to one of my favorite verses in the Bible and You've all heard me talk about it before, and that's Romans 12.2. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, it's that transformer that takes that very high voltage and changes it down to a very... Compared to the, the high voltage, a very low voltage that we can use, that is usable to us. 
Maybe even a better one is metamorphosis. You have this somewhat ugly caterpillar that's just creeping along on the ground or on leaves. And it becomes this beautiful, graceful butterfly that's just floating around in the air with its wings. Is Christianity radical? Yes, it is. Not in an obnoxious way, but in a transforming way. If we experience the God of the Bible, choose His way, we cannot be the same person. It's like walking one direction, turning around and walking the complete opposite direction. We need Jesus. Sorry. When we look, when we start looking at the Bible with a single eye, become focused on Jesus, the scripture becomes alive to us. Something happens that changes us. And we begin to see God throughout the scripture. And we need Jesus to make us new. He will remove those soiled clothes and give us new clothes and new shoes. And such a good feeling that is when this happens in our lives. But it doesn't take long till we realize that we are still bound by the sinful nature. But God has given us the spirit of Jesus that we can gain victory in these things from our old life. It's that same spirit that could not be contained in the rock tomb. But Jesus ascended in power and we have access to that same spirit. Continuing to read in 1 John 1. 8 through 10 now. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. The difference between living a life of hypocrisy and living as a new man with sinful nature when a new man sins and soils his new clothes, when he realizes his mistake, he will turn to Jesus, repent of that sin, and Jesus' blood will wash those clothes clean again, wash those spots away. I have lived in both lives, dressing up the old man and living as a new man and experiencing his power over sin, and there is no comparison to the joy of living in Christ. I'd like to get practical now. This is uh, something that's kind of been a passion of mine, and maybe you've heard kind of some of these same thoughts from me before. But if we're convinced that we have put off the old man and put on the new man, there's a simple way to put that to the test. Am I a consistent Christian? Am I the same person on Monday at work as I am on Sunday at church? Am I the same person with a small group of close friends as I am with the entire youth group and with youth parents there? Does my conduct and my speech change depending who I am with? These questions are personal to me. I'm not asking questions that I didn't experience myself. 
And here's a quote that I keep on my phone when I often go back to. It's probably the hardest witness to resist is that of a consistent Christian life. <clears throat> so I'm not indicating that Christians can't have fun. Um, families can have fun. We have a lot of fun on the job with other contractors. But what I'm saying is there's a new man, that there's a line that cannot be crossed. A number of years back before we moved to Iowa, I was, uh, I went on my own, but I was subcontracting to another large electrical contractor. The owner was somebody that I knew as a, as a boy, was a Christian man, but it was a large, uh, business doing large commercial jobs. So the people I worked with were not all godly men. And they got a large job that was, I don't know, it was an hour and 15 minutes away from their shop and they didn't want to pay everybody mileage to get there so they they bought a van that we could carpool together and the foreman was, and that, that ride was anything but pleasant. The talk was awful and the music was terrible. And the foreman was a very respectful man but he, he tended to go along with whatever was going on, joining in conversation with his, his right-hand man and his sinful lifestyle to respectful conversations with me. And he seemed to have a fascination with my lifestyle. And it seemed he was curious how far he could push me and started to do things to see if he could get a rise out of me. And it, it kept going on, and he started buying me energy drinks, thinking that if I drink those, I'm going to loosen up and get livelier and see how far I would go. I'd, I'd drink them. But as, as this happened, there was still, I could have fun with him, but there was still a line that I couldn't cross and soil my new clothes. You know, Jesus does not change. We cannot change him. It doesn't matter what I do or what anybody else does. It does not change who Jesus is. It can mar him. It can turn people away from him when they see Christianity lived out badly. But people who live out Christianity badly cannot devalue Jesus and true Christianity. Jesus is the same Monday through Saturday as he is on Sunday. And that is true for the Christian as well. There's a lot more in these verses. I'm going to close with verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Notice that Paul didn't say, if you stole before you became a new man, don't steal anymore. He didn't stop with that. It's not that easy. 
But he goes on and gives them something more that they can do so they're not tempted to steal anymore. He says, but rather let them labor, working with their hands, the thing which is good, that he may give to him that, that need it. So he's saying, go work so you can change your focus from stealing from people to earning for yourself and that you can have extra to give to the poor. And when we become a new man, we may need to change some of the things we used to do. Like the pretzels, if we were repulsed by them, throw them out. Get them off the counter where they continue to tempt us. Sin is the same way. Get it as far away from you as you can. We can't expect victory when we allow sin to remain on the counter. My encouragement to the youth here this morning and to everyone else is don't focus on how others may disappoint you and those that live out Christianity poorly and begin asking questions, is it worth it? But remember what Christianity really is. Christianity is Jesus, not people who live it poorly. We are hypocrites. That is why we need Jesus. Bad living does not define Christianity. Jesus does.